They are the boys in the back room. We have a guy who works in the back, Eric Jones. He's the big German. Be nice to Marvin. He'll be taking your calls today. Chat row, Tyler, the moderator, handling the duties there. A couple of weeks ago, Dylan was getting us breakfast. Now he's doing graphics on this program. You know who? Blame Mario. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the uh, backroom guys are not allowed to eat until 12.15. You're now listening to the 12.15 Club. Welcome back to another edition of the 12.15 Club. It is Mutt Ario here, joining the mic, as always, by Eric Big German, Marvin the Prince, and Dylan the Graphics Guy. We are joined today by Susan, Dan's wife. Um, Thank you for joining us. That's great to be here. Dan asked you last week, and you forgot today? I forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm i sure the 1215 podcast is not... I'm so sorry. I forgot. <laughs> he called me this morning, and you know, he said, you remember? You're supposed to be here. So... He was like super hesitant. It's not because I wasn't excited about being on. He You'd, just he I, I he says he told me when to be here, and I don't think he did, but that's okay. That's he was like super us. hesitant about having you on with us at first. Cause I I asked him what Eric it was at least a couple months ago. Yeah, I asked him if we could have you on, and he was like, oh, I don't know, I don't think she's interested. He told me that, and he said, you know, like they asked me if you would do it, and I said absolutely not, and I'm I'm looking at him like. Why? I don't understand that, but I didn't say anything. And then he asked me. Just well, we're, a little while we're ago. glad you joined us, Eric. You had something. I was just going to say you had a big week because the governor came to your ice cream shop this week, right? Totally unannounced. Yeah. So yes. and now you're here. I mean, this is kind of the pinnacle, I think. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, you know what? That was so unfair because I had my apron on, I had a hairnet on, face mask. I couldn't have looked worse, and. <laughs> You know, I see the mayor and he's waving at me and then uh, this guy's back is to me and he turns around and I'm like, oh, shoot, that's a governor. <laughs> and uh, they said, do you want to take a picture with him? And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> but I do have a nice picture of him standing outside the store. And he was very nice and it was, uh, it was, it was great talking to him. Um, here in the 1215 Club, we love love. We love stories about love. So we want to know how Dan courted you. Well, um, he was the sports um, reporter for New York City for CNN, and I was on the assignment desk, and it was my job every day to type in his intro that Mary Alice Williams would read, like, you know, this is uh, tonight's sports, and and he was new, and I was new on the assignment desk, and I I remember seeing him and noticing him, but... um, we would never get a chance to talk, but I would have to call him every day and say, so how do you want your lead-in to be? You know, Mets suck or, you know, something <laughs> like that. And today in sports is is Dan. So uh, I would do that. And, um, and he would do this cute little like back and forth chit chat. And uh, I used to get, we were so poor that I used to get passes to all of the clubs in New York. And I had a a pass to I think area or or something. They would always have parties, and I would I would put my name down um, representing CNN, even though we weren't doing anything. <laughs> and um, and I uh, I actually asked him out on the first date. I, wow. I said, "Did you want to?" It wasn't an official date, but I said, "Did you want?" I have you know pass to area. Did you want to go? And uh, yeah, and then wow. And then it just all played out after that. Did he ask you on a day after that, or did you yes. keep initiating? He it? asked me to the tennis banquet, and um, you know everybody was there: Billie Jean King, 
they they were there. It, it was it was a great night, and that was at the St. Regis. And uh, and then uh, another time, he asked me to um, have drinks with him, and I didn't realize that he didn't have enough money to pay for the drinks and the cab ride home. So he dropped me off, and I was all the way up. Fifty Seventh Street, and he had to walk all the way back downtown because <laughs> he didn't tell me he didn't have any cab money. So we had we had no money, um, and uh, yeah, so we um, it was really it was really fun because we we were really poor and we just did a lot of great stuff in New York, and he didn't know much about New York, and it was kind of fun for me since I was from there to show him around. Eric. Dan tells the story, and I'll probably get a couple of the details wrong, but when you guys used to live in uh, Brooklyn near the park, and that it was your mom, right, that was super worried about the, can you fill in the details? Because I kind of have it wrong, but he always tells a story about how, like, Brooklyn, where now it's crazy expensive and everyone wants to live there, and every time you would walk home at night, there would be a drug deal or a shooting or something going on. Oh, it was a sketchy neighborhood. Where, um... Was it Williamsburg or no? Bushwick no, oh my gosh, it wasn't Williamsburg, and it wasn't Renson Park Park. Slope. It was, um, but it was close to the park, wasn't it? There was a park across the way, and Sunset Park. I'm sorry, so it was Sunset Park, and um, it, it was it was a little sketchy, and I, but I kept telling my mom that it was it was up and coming. <laughs> Thirty <laughs> years later, she she um, she would always send me murder clippings <laughs> from the area, and in the corner she would write "up and coming" with a question mark, which I thought was great. So um, yeah, it, it was a little you know walking walking back from the subway. I was a little little nervous, but. Um, yeah, that was. Uh, we we lived in a couple of interesting places. We lived in Edgewater, New Jersey. We were um, our uh, landlords were two paparazzis who worked for the Daily News and the New York Post. So they used to go out at night to try and find pictures of Madonna, like you know, at the dance clubs. Uh, so that was interesting. But um, his first apartment was um, he actually had a window. And so I thought that was a really big deal. It was basically one room. There was nothing there. And mine was a converted closet. So I had no windows. So I thought he had the, you know, the real deal. So it was great. And so during those early years when you're first dating and whatnot, Dan talks about like he was kind of nerdy um, in high school and kind of after high school. And he had like pimples and all this. Oh, stuff. I was never that... would have dated him no? in high school. Okay, no, never, I... <laughs> never. His hair was terrible. It was, was it? <laughs> he ha- it was really bushy and um, he had a monobrow and, you know, um, <laughs> no, but he cleaned up really well when he got to, to New York. Uh, but um, no, I, I saw pictures of him in, in college. I was like, that's so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to give you credit for like the come up. <laughs> no no he, he he cleaned himself up really good when he got to new york so then he let it all slide <laughs> no okay so fast forward to now he's at espn he's posting the 11 o'clock sports center at what point did you notice that he was dan patrick on sports center Oh, I would get phone calls from um, like family members about watching it, and um, there there was just because you know with me I had the four kids, and I you know I, I didn't really stay up late to watch him on Sports Center because it was just too late for me. But 
you know, I would just hear more and more chatter about it. And he would, you know, tell me more of what was going on. And really, at the time when it was happening, and he was on with Oberman, I don't think they knew they they even says it, he he didn't even know if anybody was watching, they were just having fun. And, um, and it wasn't almost until after that he kind of got a sense of how popular it was. So, yeah. Eck. It's interesting because I think about, and I don't know if you remember this, you probably do, but when we were in Minneapolis and Dan was hosting like the seven-hour pregame show and um, then was handing out the Lombardi trophy and, and I was with you and Jack, we were kind of walking around, but like when does it really sink in, like all of a sudden like Dan is Dan, you know, like he's bigger than life in some in some circles but in other ways he goes and gets the groceries right so like right. it's kind of like this weird like so when does that moment for you like when did it really hit that he, wow well wait a second he's bigger than i mean obviously he's still dan your husband but he also in other worlds is this crazy guy that everybody's like fawning over well we were in i remember when it hit because we were in new orleans for the super bowl and this was a while ago 20 when he was working for NBC or before that? What he was working, no, he was working for um, ESPN. Okay. And he would stay out there. And I remember that um, we couldn't go into a bar. Uh, he would just get crowded. And then if we tried to walk on the street, people would, you know, be stopping him. And then there was even one guy who I know had too much to drink, but he um, followed us up to our hotel room. And wouldn't stop talking until, you know, I, th- I think he thought we were going to invite him in. And <laughs> we kept trying to push him away. But, um, yeah, that was the first time where it was like, you know, it, it always depends on the situation. So Super Bowl, any kind of sports situation, it's it's um, it's a big deal. Um, and, and you realize it and the kids realize it. But other than that, I've, I've had friends who had no idea because I would never say what Dan does and I'd meet somebody and it would be months later and they would say, wait a minute, your husband's, I I told my husband that I know you and he's freaking out. What does your husband do? And I would, you know, I would tell them. And so it just depends on who you're talking to. Yeah. So he's at the height there where he's Dan Patrick on ESPN. Then he decides to leave in uh, 2007. He talks about it a lot, how much of an integral part you were to that decision, telling him that um, the kids were going to be out of the house uh, if he signed another contract with ESPN. What was that uh, decision like for him, for you guys at that time? You have four younger children mm-hmm. uh, for him to leave ESPN when he's pretty much the face of that network at that point. Well, I think that I'm, um, I was, I was really clear with him on what our priorities were, and um, I could see that he wasn't happy. It was. Every time a contract got renegotiated, he would say, it's going to be better. It's going to be better. And it, it would end up always being worse to the point where he would go in to do the radio show. He would sleep in his office on the floor, the poor guy, then get up and do Sports Center. And if he traveled on the weekends, there would be weeks where he really didn't even see the kids. So, um, you know, that went on for a long time. And, uh, and I could tell more and more that he was just not happy with it. So I would always make sure that he knew that it was okay, that if we had to sell the house, we'll sell the house. If You know, all, all those things are not that important. So I think I just tried to make sure that it was his decision, but that he knew that we were going to be okay. 
you know, it's sort of, I, I do kind of like to anticipate those things, like the worst case scenario type of thing. And would we be okay? And I was like, you know, we'll, we'll be okay. You know, don't, uh, um, so Dan said like, he, like he was ready to leave, but he had some reservations too. Were you fully on board or did you have some reservations too? Obviously you spoke about like the bigger picture stuff, but it's obviously a pretty life changing decision. Well, I, I mean, I think I know Dan and how driven he is. I know that whatever he would try to do. And I always thought that he was, he would be so good at radio. Um, I just had been telling him that for a long time. So um, it was scary, but it was better than having him be unhappy with what he was doing. And, um, and he came home and for the first couple of days, the kids didn't know what to do do with them they were like you're you're here why are you here and so that was that was really nice um and he actually if i had to do it all over again and he had to work really hard at some point it was it was great that the kids were really little and i think jack was 12 or 13 when he finally left espn and the others were of course younger uh that he was there for that period of their lives because they always remember him being around and especially when he was up in the attic and, um, you know, it, that was great. I mean, he was just, he was just always home. Uh, and I think that they really got used to it and, you know, really loved having him back at home. So you say it's really great that they were in the attic. Was it ever like bothersome where you have four guys outside of No, Dan? but there would be days where I would forget and I would be... <laughs> <laughs> And I would say, wait, there's noises. What is that? And especially like if Dan was traveling, but the show was still going on, like I would forget that you would be up there. And uh, so it was, no, not really. No, everybody was great. Yeah. Dill? Um, if you had to pick one, which of the Danettes was like the most conspicuous when they were in the attic? Which one did you seem to notice more than the others? <laughs> Oh, probably Fritzy. <laughs> believe it or not, that was going to be my guess for, for a variety of reasons. Why Fritzy? Oh, he, but he was—he was, you know, he would always be talking to me, and I, I don't know. I would just—I don't know. I enjoy talking to Fritzy a lot, but I love talking to all of them. So, um, yeah, I would just—and I, I love Jen, and you know. The, the family. So, yeah, we'd always have things to talk we about. We had Jen on a couple weeks ago, and she talked very highly of you. Oh, that's really you know. nice. Yeah, I, I talk very highly of her. She's wonderful. Actually, all of them. Um, McLovin's wife, Sarah, is wonderful. Their Dana is, is great. So, you know, they're, they're all really wonderful people. So I was, I was really lucky um, having that crew upstairs then. And, uh, I just give them a lot of credit cause I go up there now and I look at that space. I'm like, my God, that is like Anne Frank's space, you know, it's like so <laughs> tiny and up there and like out of the way. And they, yeah, it was really crazy small. Eric, it's crazy to think about also from my perspective, like now there's 20,000 square feet here, you know, and like, and it still feels like we could use more space always, you know, like, so to think about, they were up in like 400 square feet and, you know, obviously Dan and the guys grew that from, from what it was. And I think they started with like 
25 radio affiliates or something pretty pretty small and now being up to 400 but there was a moment that at least dan talks about i don't know if it's super on air but he has referenced a few times where all of a sudden it was like it was go time and they couldn't use the house anymore for the show so what what was can you just tell us that story real quick it just happened all of a sudden so really where we were living we couldn't have you know a business going on there so Pretty quickly, he had to pivot to someplace else, and we're trying to find someplace else. But Dan always he manages to do it, and he found that space above um, Seven Seas and got them to do the 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 show where they like transformed it. And I mean, in record time, just like you did with this place. Uh, you know, because he would tell me, yeah, it's going to be ready. And, and I'd be like, no, it's not going to be ready <laughs> in that time. And it was. And um, it was awesome. I mean, it was really, you know, the, the old space. I know everybody outgrew it, but it was a great space, too. And then outgrew that. And now you're here. And this space is awesome. I can't imagine, you know, like you outgrow this space, you know, what's next. But it's uh, no, it's a great spot. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, both both times with the the first studio and this one, you know, it, it's kind of like just insane what they turn into right like the the studio we were really nervous about moving from downtown to here because downtown milford almost became a character you know um and, and i think and i hope that we did a good job trying to retain some of that character both in the on camera i think if you drive by you wouldn't necessarily know what happens here which was a goal as well um but uh, i have a question about the ice cream shop because the timing of when you opened that and when dan left ESPN, yeah that was a little freaky right, right? Yeah. Like, so 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 it both happened in 2007 right, right. so was this kind of like a hedging your bets like all right well now dan gets to be oh, the stay-at-home gosh. dad and you're you no, get to go to work because when he came home and said i quit that came so much out of the blue that i you know i had already started with the shop so um, all that was in place, plus this. Uh, so there was absolutely no pre-planning involved, <laughs> you know, because because really in hindsight it would have been hard. And then that first um, summer, um, actually, I opened the shop for summer, and then he quit because the first summer he was working all the time, and I remember how difficult it was because the kids were still really young. I was at the store all the time and having to maneuver that. Then the next time he was home, which made it, you know, so much easier. But, um, yeah, no, absolutely no pre-planning involved. So you own a ice cream shop, just to be clear, you own an ice, ice cream shop here in Milford, mm-hmm. uh, Walnut Beach Creamery. You guys make all your own ice creams, right? I, I read an article about it the other day where people come from, like, all over the Northeast just to try these unique flavors. Oh, that's really nice. Um, yeah, I was really a stickler for ice cream, um, and I couldn't find any ice cream that I could buy to. I, I found this property that I really liked by the beach, and um, I grew up in a food business. My dad owned pizzerias in New York, so I was kind of used to the business, and I um, couldn't find an ice cream that I liked enough. And then, once again, no pre-planning involved. Someone <laughs> said, well, you can cook. Why don't you make your own ice cream? I was like, well, that's a good idea. So I ended up buying the machine. Someone showed me how to make a vanilla, and um, I just kept making it from there. And, you know, luckily it was it was slow the first um year or two and um or it like kept growing gradually or else i never would have been able to handle it because right now i have four people making ice cream for me and um 
we supply a couple of restaurants and it's busy all summer long and just keeping up with ice cream production. We only still have one machine to make it. So the next step would be to get another machine um, and always, you know, talking about maybe expanding to some other locations. Um, you know, it's it, it's it, it's kind of good the way that it grew, but it was um, and, and, the, and the one thing to know is that I never eat ice cream anymore <laughs> because I'm around it. I'm surrounded. I remember one night I was making chocolate ice cream and um, sometimes if you leave it in there too long, the machine will seize on you. And it's all frozen. And I was exhausted. It must have been like 11 o'clock at night. It was the first season. Didn't know what I was doing. So I, I just closed it down. I said, in the morning, I'll be fresh. I'm going to clean this thing. And I didn't realize. I left a bucket underneath, but I didn't realize that there was a little bit of a drip there. So I got in the next morning, and basically it was an ocean of chocolate all over the floor. It was oh. it was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. Um, so you know things like that. But then you you learn, and you you know every year it's it's like a little bit easier. You kind of figure out what you're doing. But but last year with with COVID, it was it was tough because I have a lot of kids working for me and closing up the the store and just having window service, having everybody mask up. It was you know. It was it was a challenge. An adjustment. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How much feedback feedback does Dan give you on the ice cream? None. At all? No, because he doesn't really eat that much ice cream. Really? Yeah, he ate a little bit yesterday. He had um, I made a flavor for Adam Sandler called Sandman. Okay. And it's it's out there now, and he got a little bit of that. Um, I don't. I, I do have a flavor that's named after him because I have a flavor named after all of the kids. I have a Super Cooper for Cooper. <laughs> I haven't done one for Winnie yet. You can call that one the tornado. I know, right? That's a good idea. That's a really good idea. Uh, yeah. So um, no, he really doesn't eat that much ice cream. Mark, what's your most popular flavor? Mad Molly. Mm. Named after your youngest daughter. Yes. Right. Yeah. And she's so happy she outsells all of her siblings, too. <laughs> she thinks that's the greatest thing. Um, there's uh, Hit the Road Jack, which is uh, a banana rocky road. Uh, Amazing Grace, which is a cranberry strawberry with triple sec. And then there is also uh, Georgia Peach. So those are the ones. But actually, I think... Um, Super Cooper is really popular. It's like a peanut butter Oreo. Mm. And so sell a lot of that. The honey vanilla is phenomenal. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's so good. It's 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 fun. It's fun. It's it's you know you experiment with different flavors. Half of them are pretty regular, and half of them are kind of out there. And um, you know that's that's fun to do. And um, and then we have a contest every year where the kids um, invent flavors, and we. You know, have people vote on the flavors. That's that's fun. And then at the end of the year, we have a big Halloween party with the Walnut Beach Witches, and we have a flash dance, and it's um, it's great. It's really, yeah, there's a lot of fun in it. So if you guys are in Milford ever, hit up uh, Walnut Beach Creamery and uh, say that you heard Sue or Susan on uh, the Toe 15 Club. Uh, we're being joined by Susan Patrick, Dan's wife. Um, Dan talks about his soft side of Munch and how he's super emotional. And he told us a story about Jack's wedding when he was crying into your hair. (laughs) (laughs) 
how true is that story? Because sometimes we're like, is he embellishing a little bit? Is he going over the top with it? No, he used to he used to not be a weeper, but now he is. I mean, he really does um, get very emotional at a lot of things. But he he knew it. He predicted that he would cry a lot at Jack's wedding, and I think because I know he's such a, an emotional guy now, I almost figure I have to hold it together because of him so where i used to cry a lot more now i cry less and he cries more so it's really weird we kind of reversed roles it's like he came home from work i went you know and opened the store. it's it's very strange but um no he did he was um you know jack came down the aisle and all of a sudden i feel him <laughs> bury his head in my shoulders and he's crying <laughs> Why is it that he's become uh, more emotional in this latter half here? I don't, I don't know. He's always talking about, you know, the years that he missed working where he wasn't with the kids and he gets very sentimental about those things. And, um, you know, especially when it comes to the kids, he's, you know, he, he can get very, very emotional about stuff like that. Eric? I think for sure he's really hoping that your daughters will just elope so he doesn't have to go through that. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> he, he always talks about that. Yeah. He does. He's, uh, I think that's going to be bad. I have a question about um, the show. So when, when Dan talks about whether it's you or the family or something, like how do you find out? Because you have your own business. You're busy. So I'm guessing you don't consume a lot of the show live. So how do you find out about when Dan talks about Oh, people tell me all the time, like Dan mentioned this or Dan talked about you on the air and I'll, I'll hear it from people. Yeah. Is there any, ever anything that he says that you're like, I wish you wouldn't have said that or I wish you wouldn't have shared that? No, I think he's really, he's really good about it. I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't had anything yet where I was like, oh, shoot, <laughs> I didn't think he should say that. Eric? What about the way you guys watch movies? Because he says that he won't sit through a movie. Oh, he's horrible. <laughs> horrible. I, I'll say to him like a month in advance. All right, I want to sit down and watch this movie with you. Will you pick a day? Well, first of all, you have to start it at like six at night. He, anytime after eight is too late. Why? <laughs> and um, you know, and and he gets so restless, like. You know, so Molly had never seen It's a Wonderful Life. And I said, as a family, everyone is home at Christmas. This is before Jack got married. So I was like, we're all together. Can we just do, please, I, and, you know, I just want to do this one thing together. And he couldn't do it. He, he would stay, then he would wander off, you know, and then he would maybe come back again and he'd wander off again and he just can't he'll tell me he sees a great movie then i'll see a great movie then we'll you know we'll i'll see the movie and then we'll talk about it but that's why i kind of like going to the movies with him that's the only time he'll sit still it's somewhat like how he is here he kind of leaves his office he wanders around sits down really restless right (laughs) yeah Yeah. he just can't sit still i guess i don't know so uh so when we go to a movie theater that's when we get to see a movie together, but forget about it at home. No, he wouldn't sit through a, like a TV show. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dylan. Uh, well, I was just going to say, yeah, he's kind of like a shark, you know, he has to be constantly in motion, <laughs> whether at home or home or away. But yeah, I guess like, if you take him to the movies, he's kind of, of trapped, course, right? He yeah. can't get up and wander around the movie theater. 
I hope, yeah. I you know it's just like, <laughs> who knows? I mean, if it's one of those multiplexes, he might he can, like, he go, can sneak out, sneak into other movies, and then come back. And, um, yeah, he, he could possibly just do catch that. like fifteen minutes of each. Yeah, movie. but you're right. You know, he is he is actually kind of always restless, and but that that also sort of like that works the same in his like work and business life too. Like he's always doing something mm-hmm. on that front too, like right. you know, something productive, something progressing and the the other thing is just you know always having to like he's very strict with his schedule like you know can't eat dinner after seven o'clock at night and you know by eight thirty, he's like rearing he's ready to start <laughs> getting ready for bed you know and it's kind of crazy you know sometimes we'll be having a great time and he's like no, I, gotta go I gotta go to bed and it's just yeah mar has there ever been an event where you're like, maybe because I know Dan says you're not really into sports like that, but has there ever been like an event, like a movie premiere or anything where you're like, well, I can't believe my husband's doing this or like I'm in here with him or anything like that where it's like, this is a really cool thing we've gotten into because of, you know, what you've accomplished. Oh, sure. Like, um, you know, the, the Adam Sandler premieres, those are always a little bit surreal to go to. Um, any of the, the sporting events, um, when he took me backstage uh, for the Eagles concert, and I got to meet Glenn Fry, that, that was really awesome. <laughs> um, so yes, there's there's tons of you know these great moments. Um, when we were first dating, he took me to um, you remember the Virginia Slims tennis tournaments, and uh, he took me to see Martina Navratilova <laughs> play, and it was my first tennis tournament and i was talking so loud she actually stopped play and she was about to serve and she just stopped like who's this woman in the you know that and um so you know a lot of those i remember one of the first one of the first dates he asked me to take a drive with him to um philadelphia and um i didn't realize he was taking me to see the stanley cups and we got to see wayne gretzky and i remember Mm -hmm. Coming home, and I casually mentioned it to my brothers, who like almost spit their food across the table. They're like, "Who is this guy? And you have to marry him." And uh, so, um, you know, I think that um, from some, you know, I, I not as into sports as, as do, you, Dan. do you need to be rescued? Come on, let's go. <laughs> we got like two more questions two for more her. Questions. All okay, right. two more questions, Dan. <laughs> I think he's worried about you. I know. <laughs> he's been like this the whole time. I know. I've heard him walk back and forth a couple yeah, times. He's a shark, right? Yeah, always forth. in motion. Yes. What's the easiest way to get on his good side? Because we, we may have you know kept you a little too long, so now we probably have to get on his good side after this. Good side, good side. Uh-huh. <laughs> huh. Huh. I don't know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really hard question. You leave him alone for a little while, and then he kind of gets over it, and he's okay. Or you you do you know a great meal, but you did that already with Meat Friday. Um, yeah, he's uh, he just likes you to kind of go about your day and not focus on him being upset. I guess or you know get get after you know go beyond that. Bill, um, is an easier question. What's the quickest way to get on his bad side? Oh, to not do what you said you were going to do or to not take 
responsibility if you've made a mistake, um, not be on time, like late for a, mm. a flight, <laughs> uh, is a big way to get on his bad side. Um, yeah, just not he's, – he's very punctual, so. Eric? Well, I'll just say to wrap it up um, – you know, not to get soft, but you're a big part of dance success, and I don't know if you know that or not. And and but really, I think I think it is like you help give him perspective that he doesn't have. So uh, <laughs> that, came, that came out not necessarily the way I intended it. But um, there are times where Dan can get tunnel vision, and I think that you really help round that out. So you should be proud of yourself for all the success what he built too. Oh, that's really nice. Thank yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, very proud of him. I think that's all we got for you. Dan's obviously waiting outside the door for you to Circling get out. The tank. This, is, yeah. this is part one. I never told Dan. This is only part one. Yeah. Well, I'd love to come back. This was fun. Thank you for spending some of your I time with nervous, us. I was nervous, but... You were. You yeah, I was very nervous, nervous, but yeah. no, no, this is a lot But don't worry, Winnie's waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's all we got this week for the 1215 Club. Thank you, Susan, for coming in and sitting with us, giving us some of your time today. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed it. For myself, Mario, Eric the Big German, Dylan the Graphics Guy, Marvin the Prince, we will catch you guys next week. Have a good weekend, everyone. 